Dear Lord, we realize just that lately everything's changing too damn fast. And, and all sorts of things are always the same, even things we hated, like shoveling the turkey and stuffing the snow and going through the same crap year in and year out. Honey, food's getting cold. As I was saying, dear Lord, before my wife interrupted me, give me those old-fashioned pain-in-the-ass traditions like Thanksgiving, which really means something to us, even though we couldn't tell you what it is, are starting to stop. And thousand-year-old trees are falling over dead, and they shouldn't. That's all from this end, amen. Oh, man. A woman. That was absurd. Let's eat dead bird. Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with some Thanksgiving stuff that uh, scene from Home for the Holidays, and uh, which didn't mean anything politically, didn't mean anything other than uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm sure you're uh, as you're listening to me, you've got a full stomach, uh, and uh, you're probably uh, not feeling as well as you'd like because you ate too much, and now you're stuck in lines. You're on your way to the mall to. To deal with, uh, do people still shop at Black Friday? Do they still go for that? Get up at zero dark 30 in the morning to stand in line to get a TV for $200? TVs are only cost $200 now. Amazing to me. I guess uh, Cyber Monday, is that coming up this Monday? Uh, so uh, so whatever, that's I think that's where most people will be shopping is uh, Cyber Monday. And that song was uh, Ario Speedwagon, Live Every Moment, because I think it's time for at least four days. For an long four-day weekend. Hey, you know, enjoy your family this weekend. Don't think about Adam Schiff. Don't think about uh, uh, Maxine Waters or uh, or Jerry Nadler or Nancy Pelosi or any of those morons out there that are trying to take our country away. I'll talk about it for for about an hour, but you know, for for the time being, for the rest of the for rest of the weekend, you know, live every moment, enjoy your family. Uh, I will tell you, I am recording on Tuesday this week because uh, I normally record on Friday mornings right before the weekend, so everything's as current as possible. But you know what? I like you guys have a wife, and uh, when my wife says she wants to get out of town on Wednesday instead of Thursday. Uh, I just say yes, ma'am, and uh, ask if uh, we can get our show together by Tuesday instead of Wednesday. So, uh, hence, I live a life just like you guys do. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hopefully, hopefully you had a uh, you're enjoying your families. And uh, other than taking time out to listen to the main event, just to keep up on what you missed while you were cooking. So, anyway, uh, before I go uh, into what everything that's going on this week, 
Uh, for those of you who don't know, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One more time, toll free day or night. Area code 855-640-2020. Um, if you want to talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because uh, you don't want your spouse to know that you're talking about refinancing the house or getting a reverse mortgage on uh Thanksgiving weekend, go to edhoffman.net, scroll down to the uh, summit funding logo, click there, or you can just go to summitfunding.net forward slash Marino value, get our whole, our whole office page. And uh, put, click on apply now. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman. will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're looking to buy a property or whether you already own a property and you want to lower the payment, pull some money out to pay off bills, uh, pull out some money to buy another piece of property. Um, I had one of my borrowers call said, Hey, I'm thinking about retiring, uh, either early, early in 2020 or early in 2021. And we're thinking, uh, the rates are good. Maybe we should refinance, pull out some money and, uh, for a down payment. And we're thinking about moving to Arizona. And I told him, you know what, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about retiring, uh, and moving to Arizona, why don't you go to Arizona and see where you want to buy? And see where you want to buy and see about what the cost is going to be. Decide, help, you know, you can, I'll help you do some numbers. Decide what you, when you want to retire, whether it's early 2020 or 21. And then we'll make a decision whether it makes sense to, uh, to refinance. Uh, they came back, picked uh, Chandler or Surprise, Arizona, and said he's going to be retiring in the early part of 2020. I said, well, let's not refinance then. Let's just, uh, let's just wait. So you don't use up the, you won't have the house long enough to recoup that. And then, uh, and I, uh, we'll get your, your, uh, your loan dialed in for, for, uh, Arizona. And for those of you that don't know, if you own property in other States or would like to own property in other States, if you're dreaming about getting out of, um, the, the beautiful place that we used to call California, that's now not as beautiful as it used to be. If you're one of the many that are contemplating, um, if you want to talk about financing, I am also licensed California, Arizona, Nevada, Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Ohio, Washington, and Idaho. So, uh, coming soon, I think I'll get Oregon and Colorado and Utah right after the first year. So I don't have to do continuing education as soon as I get my license. Anyway, 855-640-2020 or edhoffman.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo. If you hear something you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as, well as several past shows. Uh, you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free and have it automatically uh, download to your uh, your iPhone or your iWatch or your iPad or your iPod or your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, your computer, anything that you can listen to uh, uh, podcasts on. It'll download once a week and you can listen whenever it's convenient for you. And um, and then uh, let me know what you think. Go to uh, send me an email, ed at edhoffman.net. If you uh, have comments on the show and what did I leave out? Oh, follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Ed Hoffman where I tweet about current events all week long. And the Facebook page for the show is facebook.com forward slash 
the main event at Hoffman. Okay, so that's all my uh, little disclaimers and uh, all the ways to get in touch with me. If you need to get in touch with me and you can't, you didn't try. I'm easy to find. So let's talk about what's going, what has gone on this week uh, up until Tuesday and some of the stuff I left out of, out of uh, last week um, because I ran out of time because there was too much going on last week with, uh, you know, uh, a dozen, uh, two, four, six, eight, ten. I think there was ten witnesses on the impeachment trials. And uh, then, of course, uh, the, the world's boringest Democrat debate uh, was on there. And, uh, of course, I left a couple of clips out that I could have used last week because I ran out of time. So uh, we'll talk about one of them in particular because it comes into play t- this week as well. But let's talk about uh, – so Trump saved a Navy, Navy SEAL this week. President Trump and the United States Navy have been in a tug-of-war over Chief Petty Officer Edward Gallagher, the Navy SEALs at the center of the highly publicized war crimes case. If you remember, what was it, six months ago? He was uh, charged with murder and uh, was acquitted. The Navy prosecuted Chief Gallagher, wanted to expel him from the SEALs, but the president, as commander-in-chief, has repeatedly intervened in the sailors' favor. Uh, who's Eddie Gallagher? What did he do and what? why did the president get involved? Here are the facts. Here are the facts. Uh, chief Gallagher, who has deployed to combat zones with the SEALs five times, was named the top platoon leader in SEAL Team 7 and has been awarded several bronze stars for valor. But last fall, he was arrested and charged with one count related to taking a photo with a corpse of an ISIS fighter. Posing for trophy photographs is in violation of the military's law of war requirement to treat enemy dead with respect. Something that uh, uh, our enemies don't, don't uh, abide by, um, as we know. The Navy had accused Gallagher of murdering the ISIS fighter. Uh, how do you murder a terrorist? Uh, I thought that's their job, is uh, killing terrorists. So uh, so he was accused of murdering an ISIS fighter during a 2017 deployment to Iraq. He wasn't accused till after his unit came home. The same junior SEALs in his platform who made the accusation also accused him of shooting uh, at unarmed civilians. Well... You know, you get you got a you got a a seasoned veteran in there. You got some uh, some rookies in there, and they don't like it. They don't like it. They came from a different uh, a different a different uh, blend of of uh, tough guys. Gallagher admits that he sent a photo to his friend of him holding a knife next to the dead ISIS fighter, but denied that he killed him by plunging the knife into the terrorist's neck, as his accusers claim. Gallagher, Gallagher's wife told Breitbart that the junior SEALs made the accusation out of revenge after uh, Gallagher called him, called them the P-word and cowards during the deployment. The P-word being uh, the word that means coward, um, that rhymes with wussy. So, uh, you know, um, I can imagine, you know, Gallagher looks like he's about uh, in his uh, late 30s, early 40s. He looks pretty hardened, and uh, he looks like a tough guy. And they got some new kids on the block over there that are uh, – coming up from the uh not as tough of a you know what you see you see when you see i'll tell you when i see guys coming up into my into my uh my business and they just don't understand paying the price like i do like i did when when i when i came up you pay a price to uh to get your success and uh it's interesting to see uh see one of them have a good sales month and have a good paycheck 
and uh, how they start to think that they are somewhere they're not. And then all of a sudden the next month they don't have that same paycheck and they get humbled. But I won't say I didn't go through that. We all go through it, but it just seems as when you're the older, when you're the older experienced guy, it looks funnier when you see the young kids go through it. So, uh, Gallagher was acquitted in a military court of murder charge, but convicted of mistreating a corpse. Hmm. As part of his conviction, the judge ruled that his retired rank be reduced from chief petty officer to first class petty officer, which would cost him about $200,000 in retirement pay. Shortly thereafter, the Navy announced it wanted to remove Gallagher's trident pin, uh, which means revoking his membership in the SEALs. And for those of you that seen uh, um, American Sniper at the end where uh, Chris Kyle's funeral's there and, and all the SEALs are pounding their trident into his casket. and uh, Or have you seen uh, basically the same scene, I guess, and whenever a Navy SEAL dies, this is probably a, uh, a uh, ritual. And uh, if you've seen uh, Act of Valor, another great movie that's actually acted out by by Navy SEALs. And uh, with Navy SEALs in the movie, you've seen that. And you know what these guys go through to get there. If you've watched, uh, if you watched Act of Valor, if you've watched uh, Zero Dark Thirty, if you've watched uh, uh, Lone Survivor, if you've seen any of the things that these SEALs do to become SEALs, these guys are superhuman. In fact, we had a leadership uh, class at our office a couple of years ago, and we had a couple of uh, former Navy SEALs come teach the class. Actually, there was three of them, um, and they came te- teach that taught the class, and it was once a month for a year. And uh, and uh, they taught us, they said, you know what, when you go down to San Diego where the Navy SEALs train, Coronado Island, um, he said, you know what, they start out with 200, 200, uh, 200 uh, candidates, and they end up with 25. And he says, we don't, we don't create superhuman athletes. They're all superhuman athletes. What we do is we create, we create super teams. And it's the way that the way that these guys work together and their, their commitment and their mental, their mental strength. And, uh, and it's not, it's not their athletic ability. They're all superhuman athletes before they get there. And, you know, when, when you got, when, when a guy gets his trident, it seems, it seems to me. You should never take that from the guy, especially when he fought for our country. Anyway, here's here's Gallagher on the taking the trite anyway. This is all about ego and retaliation. This has nothing to do with good order and discipline. They could have taken my trident at any any time they wanted. And just recently, we've come up with more evidence that we'll be exposing next week that the Secretary of the Navy was actually meddling in my case and trying to get organizations not to support me while I was incarcerated. Yeah, Secretary of the Navy apparently uh, didn't like the didn't uh, like this very much, and he certainly didn't like Trump um, getting involved. President Trump, uh, who's been following Gallagher's case, got involved earlier this year by advocating for Gallagher. This month, he issued a pardon of Gallagher, clemency directives, and an order that his pay grade be restored. This week, he intervened again to ensure Gallagher can retire as a Navy SEAL. He he tweeted out. As they're arguing about this, the Navy will not be taking away warfighter and Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher's trident pin. This case was handled very badly from the beginning. Get back to business. You know what? I'm not in the military. I've never been in the military. But, you know, I support the military. And maybe my friend Joey Jones would disagree with me. But um, And I don't know if he would or not. 
Um, but I have to say, and I think I'm going to tweet him. I'm going to tweet. I think I'm going to text him and ask him, or I'll just call him up. I'll ask him. I'll tell you next week what he thinks about all this. Um, but in my opinion, someone's got to stand up for these guys because I think it's just bull how some of these guys are treated. What about the guys that were in Abu Ghraib who were fighting over there in, in Iraq or Afghanistan, wherever that was. And, uh, they took pictures with, uh, they took some of the prisoners and put underwear on their head and, uh, took stupid pictures. Okay. I understand it's disrespectful, but these guys are probably still in jail. Come on. These guys are fighting for us, you know, against the same guys that knocked down the world trade center and, uh, crashed the plane into the Pentagon with one of my high school friends on it. The Pentagon isn't Pentagon isn't happy about the declar about the decision from uh from President Trump. Defense Secretary Mark Esper uh forced resignation of Navy Secretary Richard Spencer on Sunday for going outside of chain of command by back channeling with the White House to negotiate an agreement for Gallagher. Here's Gallagher's lawyer. We want the inspector general to come in and figure out exactly everything that went wrong in this case and take corrective action so that nobody else has to suffer what Eddie Gallagher suffered. We want to make the Navy better for this. You know what? I, if you if you want, and of course, hey, you know what, Ed? You're watching movies. These are movies. Well, maybe they're movies, but I talk to a lot of military guys, and uh, they all kind of say the same, have the same stories. And uh, you know, they they send these guys to. Uh, to uh, basic training, and they train these guys to be killers, and especially the Marines, if you've seen Full Metal Jacket. But you, you hear this, they tr- we treat these guys to fight for us. We send them to hell in, uh, in the middle of the desert, the Middle East, and make them, uh, make them live, like, live like animals. Uh, I can tell you, one of my, one of my friend's former employees uh, was in the first wave into, uh, into Iraq, uh, and before they had uh, barracks and all that stuff, built up with showers and air conditioning and uh, some of the way they they were eating uh, these MREs and having to uh, dig holes to go to the bathroom and uh you know not taking a shower for for many days at a time and then having to rig something up you know we send these guys to to uh to a, 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 a to a world like hell and then we then we expect them to be on their best best behavior i just don't think it's realistic and I don't think that's a way we we pay these guys back. We certainly don't overpay them for what they do. <clears throat> I say give them some respect and give, and cut them a little slack. Um, so anyway, that's that's my uh, that's my uh, two cents. Uh, take it to the store and get with with five other people's two cents. You get a penny bubble gum. Okay. So anyway, so uh, let's talk about uh, now what's going on with uh, with the Democrats are calling uh, Republicans a cult. Now that the open hearings for impeachment inquiry are behind us, Democrats are acting like they have an open and shut case for impeaching the president. I don't see it that way. And yet they're still they're still aren't committed to actually starting the impeachment. What are they doing is writing a report, said uh, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Sackhoff while making the rounds on Sunday shows this week. Uh, oh, boy, another report. Um, and he's also talk, going to talk to those people he's been neglecting for three years while trying to impeach the president, his constituents. I want to discuss this with my constituents and my colleagues before I make a final judgment on it. But, but there are a couple really important things we need to think about. The case in terms of the Ukraine misconduct is ironclad, but so is the case of the president's obstruction of the Congress. 
Yeah, you know, when he says in, he wants to talk to his constituents, that's you people out there in Burbank, folks. So uh, if you haven't seen him in your neighborhood yet, uh, make sure you stay tuned because he must be coming to talk to you. You know, uh, I saw an email this week um, from one of my buddies that uh, watches emails closer than I do. And uh, he, I don't know where this article came from, but it's obvious that Adam Schiff's has no principles beyond self-interest and only occasional acquaintance with the truth, comparing his current scurrilous impeachment effort with the principles he invoked when he first was seeking a seat in Congress demonstrate his personal advantage is all that matters to him. Apparently in, uh, apparently while he ran for Congress in 2000, um, he was running against a guy named James Rogan, who was the Republican, who was the uh, congressman out there. And apparently this email talks about kudos to Peter Hassan of the Daily Caller for going back two decades to examine how Adam Schiff first won his House of Representatives seat that he's held for 10 terms. It turns out that Schiff defeated Republican incumbent James Rogan by going after him for supporting the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Impeachment as a political issue has all but disappeared from America's political radar in this election, with even Al Gore refusing to make the partisan death match of 1998-99 a campaign issue in the year 2000. But here in California's 27th district, Rogan's battle with Democratic State Senator Adam Schiff seems to be the last bloody battle of an impeachment war, Anthony York recounted in, the, in an October 2000 Salon article. Schiff used impeachment as a funding fundraising tool, York noted in an article when the, with uh, with which the Daily Caller News Foundation reviewed news re- using research service LexisNexis. The district simply has not been a pri- this is what uh this is what Adam Schiff said about uh Rogan. The district simply has not been a priority for him. He has been more engaged in national partisan ideological crusades than in issues important to the district. Schiff told the Los Angeles Times in Los in January 2000, apparently referring to impeachment. Uh, duh, what do you think he's going through right now? Amazing to me. Simply amazing. So uh, another outcome of the impeachment hearings is the new word for the week for liberals, taking a cue from George Conway, Kellyanne's husband, who's been quite vocal about the disli- his dislike of the president. Libs are declaring that all Trump supporters are in a cult. And by default, the entire Republican Party is now a cult as well. Leading the charge on this is CNN's Brian Stelter. The word cult has been popping up more and more. Uh, think back to two weeks ago on this program, Anthony Scaramucci uh, talked about his claim that Trump supporters are in a cult. Just last week, Dan Rather said he thinks support for Trump seems increasingly cultish. And this weekend in The Washington Post, uh, Trump critic and Republican strategist John Weaver said the GOP is not a party anymore in the traditional sense. It's a cult. Yeah, and the rest of the media has happily jumped on board since then. It's almost like a dear leader situation, like a cult of personality. Cultish devotion. Or the cult. The destructive cult. You say the president is using mind control. Become a cult. You yourself are in a cult. It's that's a cult. It is frightening to hear a cult expert say that you see all these signs right now today in American politics. Well, all of you in the in the cult of Republican uh, clear thinkers and uh, people that think for themselves... Stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, commercials, and sports. And I'll be right back with the second half of the main event. 
Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590 The Answer. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio. I don't talk a lot about reverse mortgages. But those of you guys that are wondering how you're gonna, how you're gonna, how you're gonna pay off all your credit cards after uh, doing all your Christmas shopping, you're gonna say, "Hey, you know, Christmas shopping is more expensive this year than last year." Yeah, well, that happens. That happens. If you're wondering how you're gonna pay off those credit cards, or if you're wondering uh, uh, about all these low int- those low in- low interest rates, if you're wondering about what you're still doing in California, and you want to look into some property outside of California. Uh, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. And uh, let's talk about getting you financed. Um, and I say outside of the outside of California, if you're looking to get out or if you have properties already there, uh, right now I'm currently licensed in Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Ohio, Idaho, and Washington. Um, we also have people in our office that I think have Indiana and Georgia. And, uh, if there's any other, uh, states that you want, but you don't need them right now, call, call me and, uh, tell me what states that you're thinking about buying in. And, uh, I can be licensed there really quick. Anyway, uh, also if you're a senior citizen, that means over 62, that's not really a senior citizen. Cause I'll be there here in a few years. Um, if you're, a, if you're, uh, 62 or over, or your spouse is 62 or over, and you're thinking about, uh, I sure would like it if my house payment would go away. You got some equity and you're hearing about this reverse mortgage thing, but your, uh, but your brother-in-law, uh, Huey says it's a bad deal. Find out for yourself. Don't be a Democrat. Think for yourself. Call me 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Scroll down to the Summit Funding logo, click on that, put in the information, say, hey, tell me about reverse mortgages because uh, they really are a cool idea. They're really a cool tool to enhance your uh, enhance your uh, later years. You know, it used to be, hey, you got to make sure you leave your kids something. Now I think it's uh, uh, more socially, socially acceptable that the kids say, hey, mom and dad, spend your money while you're alive because uh, we don't need it. We have our own money. Uh, Don and I told our kids, Hey, you better learn to get rich. Cause we're going to spend all our money before we die. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be able to, but we're going to give it, we're going to give it a, the, the good college try. 
So anyway, 855-640-2020 if you want to talk about real estate financing or at Hoffman.net. Hit on the Summit Funding logo. So let's talk about, we've been talking about what's going on this week. And I'm trying, and I tried to keep it a little lighter this week because it's Thanksgiving weekend. So you guys are in the spirit of the holidays. So I'm trying not to be so mean and, uh, and talk about Democrats so much. But I can't help it. It's all over the place. And what I find, what I find is so many people are talking about, well, let's all sit down and have a nice meal together and let's not talk about stuff that we disagree on. Well, how is anybody ever going to come to a different decision if you don't talk about stuff? Instead, I say, hey, you know what? Try to try to not be offensive. Try to not be offensive and try to see things the way the other, the other see and then just try to reason with them as opposed to saying, hey, what are you, stupid or something? So, uh, which is my, which is my nature, but I'm, you know, I've been going to church this year and, uh, I'm trying to get back to my, to my Christian ways from, uh, from before. And, uh, I'm feeling a lot nicer to everybody now. So, uh, hopefully you guys keep listening, even though I'm being nicer. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on in the, uh, Democrat race. Uh, last, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Michael Bloomberg talking about getting in, getting into the race and, uh, but he didn't officially declare but uh, this week he got into the race ten months after everyone else, uh, and plans to keep that actually plans to skip the first four primary states. But the billionaire, media mogul, and former New York City mayor Michael Bloomberg is officially a presidential candidate now. This week, Bloomberg's campaign uh, brought bought more than thirty million dollars in television ad time, the largest ad buy in a primary election history, so he could run ads like this. Mike Bloomberg started as a middle-class kid who had to work his way through college, then built a business from a single room to a global entity, creating tens of thousands of good-paying jobs along the way. He could have stopped there. But when New York suffered the terrible tragedy of 9-11, he took charge, becoming a three-term mayor who brought a city back from the ashes and brought back jobs and hope with it creating tens of thousands of affordable housing units so families could have a decent place to live, raising teachers' salaries and kids' graduation rates, and creating a more open and livable city for the millions who call it home. Well, if I remember correctly, Rudy Giuliani was still the mayor for the next couple of months after, uh, next few months after uh, 9-11, and I remember him inviting people back to New York Hey, come back to New York. It's still a great city. Don't be afraid, blah, 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 and having commercials like that. Uh, I remember him uh, cleaning up New York City from what it once was, and I remember a couple of Saturday Night Live guys talking uh, talking about, hey, Giuliani took all the fun out of Times Square, and the other guy goes, Times Square used to be nothing but but hookers and drug dealers. And, uh, and Don and I visited New York City the first time in October of 2002, and we've been back there at least 10 times since. And uh, we love, we loved New York City. What I see New York City has turned in today, I don't think, I don't know that I'll ever go back, because um, it's just a lawless. It's not Michael Bloomberg's issue, but um, it's Bill De Blasio's issue. But it's turned into, it's turned back into a toilet, and uh, and it's uh, rivaled only by uh, by California, and. Uh, but, you know, uh, remember, uh, Bloomberg was the one who banned the Big Gulp, wasn't he? And he uh, and he gave lots of money to uh, to uh, global warming things. And uh, and he started stop and frisk. And uh, and we'll talk about what he thinks about stop and frisk. But first, 
Let's hear, let's hear more of this commercial. There's more. He could have stopped there, but when he witnessed the terrible toll of gun violence, he put his money where his heart is, helping to create a movement to take on the NRA and the politicians they own to protect families across this country and help turn the tide. And he's funded college educations for thousands of deserving low-income and middle-class kids and supported life-saving medical research and stood up to the coal lobby and the outright denial of this administration to protect the only home we have from the growing menace of climate climate change. Yeah, and he stood up to the uh to the criminals in New York City by creating stop and frisk, which uh which was a big success because they confiscated thousands of uh illegal weapons on people and of course uh uh AOC if you listen to AOC and uh, her uh and her uh, the AOC plus 3 the squad they'll talk about how how it was her cousins and her brothers and sisters that were getting uh, frisked. Well, you know what? If it if they caught a few uh, if they caught a few uh, illegal guns and caught people saved people from getting killed, so be it. But Michael Bloomberg started start decided to start his uh, his campaign by uh, making his apology tour and traveling the country and apologizing for stop and scri- to stop and frisk because. Um, it created uh, racial racial profiling, so you know they weren't they weren't uh, stopping and frisking you know uh, old Jewish grandmothers. They were uh, stopping and frisking guys that were uh, look like gangsters, you know. And I'll tell you that uh, uh, I hate to be the one to uh, to say it, but you know if you if you dress like a gangster with a hoodie over your head in the middle of summer and uh, you got your hood up, um, we know it's not because it's cold. And uh, it's because you're trying to hide your face from something, you know, that you ha- if you're a cop, if you're a cop walking the street, that has to bother you because you wonder what they're hiding. And, uh, you know, and you've got a bulletproof vest that covers your uh, your chest, but you still got legs and you still got a head that sticks out that uh, you want to make sure that you don't get uh, killed and you want to make sure you come home to your family. And I think uh, every guy that puts on a police officer uniform. Uh, or a fire or a firefighter uniform, just like the guys in the military uniforms, uh, should have a right to come home to their families. And um, I know they're, I know they have have uh, pledged pledged their lives and everything up to it to defend our defend our country and defend our laws. But I don't think it's reasonable to just expect that we just dispose of those people like they're just robots or something. So. Uh, so uh so Bloomberg also purchased an insane 100 million dollars in digital ads which insi- insi- insiders say uh will be directly targeted at Trump. But he's not just running ads. Michael Bloomberg is also a man of the people, doing relatable social media videos like everyone else. I decided to run because I think it's time for a change at the top in the White House. Donald Trump's not been a good president. We need to change that. And also, this country is being pulled apart. We need to pull it together and make sure that we help everybody across the country share in the great American dream. Well, I think if that was his concern, he would have got in about a year ago, uh, like everybody else did. Um, I think what really made him decide was he saw that um, there's like 23 people running for uh, president on the Democrat side, and not one of them has a brain or uh, has the uh, has the ability to run this country. Can, I mean, can you imagine you saw you saw Joe Biden last week 
struggling to put two sentences together without uh, saying the wrong words that mean exactly the opposite of what he's trying to say. And uh, you could tell, you'd see in his face, he's he's concentrating really hard. He's not he's not at ease, not at ease when he's just talking off the off, you know, talking from the cuff, talking out of his heart. Um, one of the things I liked about Rudy Giuliani that he never spoke from notes. He had little note cards, but he didn't speak from a script or a or a uh, teleprompter. He just had he had uh, bullet points when he spoke, and um, and I think that's pretty much. Donald Trump most of the time, except for when he's making a long, important speech. He, you know, when he's at a rally, he's mostly just speaking from the cuff. He probably has a handful of notes, but he's just speaking from his heart. And that's how we know he's talking about what he really, how he really feels, which to me is important because I don't want to hear what, what the president wants me to hear. And then behind the scenes saying, hey, wait till after the, after the election, I'll be more flexible with uh, the Russians. And then, then we tell, then we complain that Trump is colluding with the Russians when we already know that Obama was, and we know that Hillary Clinton was, and we know that the whole democratic party was colluding to take down uh, with the Russians to take down uh, Donald Trump before he was even elected. That's amazing. Politico reports that Bloomberg plans to spend 500 million on the 2020 election. Much of the disgust of the candidates who've been campaigning since the beginning of the year. Selection should not be for sale. Not to billionaires, not to corporate executives. We do not believe that billionaires have the right to buy elections. That is why multi-billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg are not going to get very far in this election. Money is uh, sadly um, a very big factor in American politics and who might win. I just don't think people are going to buy it. That you just buy, put a bunch of money um, and maybe the argument is, hey, I've got more money than the guy in the White House. I don't think they're going to buy that. Well, if you didn't hear the break between uh, Kamala Harris and Amy Klobuchar, that was two different women talking there after uh, Bernie Sanders. But what makes me wonder is, why does anybody spend that much money on a job that pays 400000 And it's a four-year job, so that's uh, $1.6 in four years. Plus, I know it's... Uh, Plus, I know they pay all their uh, living expenses and their travel and all that stuff, so it's really much more than more than that. But still, there must be something else going on. I mean, especially for Congress people and senators that are paying that kind of money because they get paid half that, and uh, they come out being multimillionaires when they went in being uh, multi-thousandaires. So I don't know. Maybe there's uh, maybe there's something that that Trump threatens in the in the uh, political parties that is bothering them and they want to get rid of him bad, so bad. But does Bloomberg even matter at this point? A few things to consider. If if candidates could buy an election, Hillary Clinton would be president. She outspent Trump with $1.4 billion campaign. Trump spent $957 million. Um, Hillary spent $1.4 billion and she lost. Ha! According to the reporting of uh, Bloomberg's own media company, his face and voice will not even appear in the anti-Trump digital ads he's running beyond the legally required disclaimers. So on Friday, when voters in battleground states of Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin see those ads on Facebook and or Twitter, they may not even be aware that they're viewing a Michael Bloomberg ad. They're just hearing another, another somebody say the same stuff that we've been hearing about Trump for the last three years. 
And as we watch Trump accomplish turning our economy around and build the wall and uh, and stand firm with, you know, he's uh, Russia's best friend. Well, you know, it doesn't seem like he's uh, let Russia get away with anything. Yeah, but he's gonna fold down to uh, fold to North Korea. Well, I don't think we've given we've uh, given anything to North Korea. We've he's talked to him a couple times, but I don't think he's given in to anybody. I think I think he's standing firm like we want a president to be. I think our well, our enemies don't respect or our, our allies don't respect us, and our enemies don't fear us. I think that's the exact opposite. I think our our allies do respect us, and our enemies do fear us because they know Trump won't put up with any BS. Quite frankly, that's the guy I want to be my president. And quite frankly, I think God God wanted Trump in there because he was afraid that the the last hope for the world was going to go down. And if we uh, let if we let Trump not not be reelected, if we let him get beat by the Democrats next year, uh, I would say you, I would say we could pretty much bet our grandchildren won't uh, won't won't see uh, the United States survive through their whole lives. Uh, the earned media, which is uh, PR speak for uh, getting media coverage without paying for it, like earning it, getting uh, interest on social media and by uh, being interesting. Uh, so the P- the uh, earned media of the other candidates can still surpass what Bloomberg spends. One expert says Elizabeth Warren's earned media at this point. I don't know why anybody's interested in her. I just can't even imagine her with her little sweater uh, being in the White House. Um so one expert says Warren's earned media at this point in the race is equivalent to almost three times the monetary value of Bloomberg's ad buy. So we'll see. We shall see. So speaking of Elizabeth Warren, Warren, she's telling lies again. A quick recap of everything we know Elizabeth, Liz has lied about over the course of the 10-year political career. She, uh, her dubious Native American heritage, how she got her tenure at Harvard, whether she was Harvard's first woman of color law professor. I think the color is white. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, how she lost her first teaching job. Uh, she wasn't fired for having a baby. Uh, she chose to quit because she didn't have the credentials. And now she's lying about where her children went to school. This happened when a group of school choice activists, mostly black, by the way, showed up at Warren's al- uh, rally in Atlanta to protest her war on school choice. The group was allowed to speak with with Warren after the rally. Sarah Carpenter of the Powerful Parent Network challenged Warren's opposition to charter schools at one point saying, we want to have the same choice you had for your kids because I read your children went to private schools. Here's the interaction. Listen for Liz's reply. We're going to have the same choice that you make for your kids because I read that your children went to private schools. Well, what her response was, she said her kids went to public school. Here's the truth. A yearbook obtained by the Washington Free Beacon showed Warren's son, Alex, attended Kirby's Hall School in the 80s and 90s, which had a $5,000 a year tuition at the time. Uh, Warren's daughter, on the other hand, did go to public school through through graduation. So technically, Liz was lying by omission. And, uh, you know, it, uh, they've done studies on uh, school choice and charter schools when people are given the, the option to use vouchers to put their kids uh, at the best schools that most, most parents will opt to send them to the best schools. Even if it's not the school across the street from their house, because they want their kids to have the best education. And then by the free market, the schools that are doing a crappy job go out of business. So anyway, free market always wins. She's got another plan that she unveiled at the uh, democratic uh, uh, debate last week. Get ready. It's federally subsidized housing project. Who's in? 
of it this way. Our housing problem in America is a problem on the supply side. And that means that the federal government stopped building new housing a long time ago, affordable housing. Also, private developers, they've gone up to mansions. They're not building the little two-bedroom, one-bath house that I grew up in, garage converted to be a bedroom for my three brothers. So I've got a plan for 3.2 million new housing units in America. Those are housing units for working families, for the working poor, for the poor poor, for seniors who want to age in place, for people with disabilities, for people who are coming back from being incarcerated. Yeah, I have a clue for you. The reason that uh, the builders are building this, the big mansions is because over-regulation and over-cost to build things they can. Uh, there's only a limited amount of real estate. They have to make a certain amount of profit, and the costs are so high, they have to build the bigger houses or else they can't make a profit. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about let's talk about Thanksgiving. I want to end the end this uh, end this show with a uh, with a, a story that I read that uh, John Stossel in his book No They Can't from about uh, I don't know six or eight years ago, um, talking about America's first first experiment with socialism, and it came the 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 Pilgrims landed at Pilgrim at uh, at Plymouth Rock in 1620 and the first and the first uh Thanksgiving was in 1623. Here let me do the let me read this section from uh, John Stossel's book and explain why. Had today's political class been in power in 1623, Thanksgiving would have been called Starvation Day. Many of us wouldn't be alive to celebrate it. School children are lectured about the beauty of sharing. Children's portray Thanksgiving as a big group hug. But the first Thanksgiving almost didn't happen because the Pilgrims' leaders dictated a group hug by force. Plymouth Colony organized their first farm economy along communal lines that would have pleased Michael Moore and Bernie Sanders. Everyone got an equal share of what the community produced. Such sharing seemed fair. But because of it, the Pilgrims nearly starved. When workers can get an equal return for less effort, workers make less effort. Plymouth settlers often faked illness rather than work the common property. Some stole, despite their Puritan convictions. Total production was too meager to support the population. This went on for two years. It well appeared the famine must still ensue the next year, Governor William Bradford wrote in his diary. So the colonists argued about how they might obtain a better crop than they had done, that they might not still thus languish in misery. At length, after much debate, we decided that they should set corn every man for his own particular, and in that regard trust to themselves, and so assigned to every family a parcel of land. Once each colonist had his own land, the results were dramatic. This had very good success, wrote Bradford, for it made all hands very industrious, so as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. By this time, harvest was come, and instead of famine, now God gave them plenty, and the face of things was changed to the rejoicing of the hearts of many. In other words, the people of Plymouth prospered because they moved from socialism to private property. Because of the change, the first Thanksgiving could be held in 1623. What Plymouth suffered under communalism was what economists today call the tragedy of the commons. The problem has been known since ancient Greece. As Aristotle noted, that which is common to the greatest number has the least care bestowed upon it. If individuals can take from a common pot regardless of how much they put in, then each person has an incentive to be a free rider, to do as little as possible and take as much as possible, because what one fails to take will be taken by someone else. Soon the pot is empty. What private property does, as the pilgrims discovered, is connect effort to reward, creating an incentive for people to produce. Then there's a free market. People trade their surpluses to others for things they lack. 
Mutual voluntary exchange for mutual benefit makes the community richer. Yes, I uh, I read that a few years back when the book was brand new, and I thought, uh, I said, hey, you know what? Nobody teaches that in school anymore, and we need to teach our kids about how the pilgrims didn't just land on Plymouth Rock, meet some Indians, shoot some some turkeys, grow some corn, and make pumpkin pies. It was it was three years of famine before that happened, and uh, and that was the first experiment in America of socialism, and it didn't work. It fails over and over, and our kids need to understand that, especially if your kids are of voting age, and you need to talk to them, and you need to have this conversation and and share this show with them so they know the the truth and share your thoughts with them and so the kids know the truth because these kids are lost what they're getting in school compared to what we got in school is nothing compared and you know when what they go to college for is is just to be indoctrinated into being democrats and liberals so folks enjoy thanksgiving weekend enjoy the holidays you're going to spend a lot of time with your family talk to them don't avoid the political the political uh, conversations. Have those conversations with them. Just be nice and make them understand how the world really works so America can go on for our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids. Anyway, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 0926588 Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event Heard Weekends right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1016588. Arizona, NMLO license number 0926439. Grant NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity. AM 590, the answer.